Well, here we are with another episode of The Reconnection Project. I'm Barnaby. I'm Molly. So we're kind of shifting gears. We're going back across the Atlantic. Have we been over to the Atlantic? (laughs) Or you mean you and me because we lived over there. I'm like, why back? <laughs> well, because I originally come from there. I oh, right. I don't know. <laughs> we have talked to two people based in the States, and now we're going back to Europe. You're going back. <laughs> yeah. We talked to the amazing Paul Piowo Lee. You know, there's conversations sometimes you have with people where you just feel kind of blissfully happy and enlightened and clear about things. Or okay in yourself and a little bit joyful and yeah. like the world is going to be okay after all. <laughs> yeah, it was a temporary feeling, but Paul gave me that. You need to get back on the phone with Paul, I guess. I, I think I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He is just a person of light, somehow. Mm. He was a classically trained dancer, ballet dancer, and then later studied in the Feldenkrais method. And he talks a lot about Feldenkrais and he he uses just the word Feldenkrais to talk about it for short. So Molly, just remind us what is Feldenkrais, the method? Yeah, just in case if this is your first episode and you'll hear us mentioning it again and throughout this interview as Feldenkrais as opposed to the Feldenkrais method, which is the official name simply because it's a little bit of a tongue twister and easier just to say Feldenkrais. And I kind of said that. You did. Yeah. That's all right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The Feldenkrais method is a movement-based method which uses movement as a way to speak to the nervous system to help people become more self-aware and more skilled in their body and in their mind. And one time I was taking a online Feldenkrais class with Paul and as he was guiding us through the movement, at one point he said, now think of yourself as if you were a work of art. And that sentence entirely changed the way I experienced the rest of the lesson. And that encapsulates why we chose to bring him into this conversation because he brings art and artistry into his Feldenkrais. It's a part of who he is, and he synthesizes it completely. So here he is. Welcome, Paul. We're so glad to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for seeing that I have something to bring to the table. Yeah, absolutely. And so happy to be talking to you today, Paul, because you just have an amazingly rich bank of experience going way back. You know, you're training in dance. You studied at the National Ballet School in Canada and the Rotterdam Dance Academy. And then you went on to work with a number of companies, professional dance companies, such as IT Dancer in Barcelona, Gothenburg Opera Ballet. And you've also performed a number of prestigious venues around the world, the Barbican in London, to you know, to name just one. And then later you went on to to study Feldenkrais and to bring that back into the dance world and worked with quite a few high profile dance companies and schools. I think the first thing we'd like to ask you is, you know, looking at that trajectory, what was it that sort of 
switched tracks for you? What a question. And, you know, the first thing that came up when you mentioned all these places that I worked in was how I struggled a lot with feeling like a fraud during my career as a professional dancer. Uh, I'm still performing sometimes. But so Feldenkrais saved me because I felt like a fraud. But what I was really struggling with was feeling like I actually didn't know what I was doing. And one thing that I, I give credit to my mom and especially a teacher called Peggy Baker in Toronto, my mom was, all, it was always about presentation when I was growing up, for better or for worse. You know, it has helped me uh, come to some great gifts of these situations in life. And then from Peggy Baker, the modern teacher in Canada, we were doing this beautiful piece by Lar Lubavitch called North Star. And I remember she said, you have to use your eyes. And it clicked for me to the point where one of the critics from the Toronto Star also noticed that. And I was only a student and, and I was like, wow, what power. And I attribute that to my success to get into these prestigious places. It's such a small, but yet super important part of expression that a lot of dancers miss out on. Um, going to the National Ballet School was like going to Hogwarts. I finally found my people who loved ballet. And I remember being the ugly duckling because all my classmates were just beautiful with the outward hip rotation, you know, everyone they were so elite, you know, and I always saw myself as the runt of the group. And so I already gave myself the task. I said, you're going to stand out, not because of your physical ability, but how you perform and continue making choices that make you an artist, even if it's just a ballet class. So the thing with the eyes really helped me. So this is how I got to these different places, because in these other places, I have my limitations. I can always be creative with how I compose and move them to give an impression of flexibility of availability. But the eyes, I think, really helped me shine forth. How I came to Feldenkrais was from a neck injury that I had. And it was a chronic neck injury, which I felt as a frozen shoulder. And it would happen. Uh, it was like a monthly occurrence. It would spasm, I'd be frozen. And then the physio would massage, massage, massage. And then over the course of a few days, I would get better. I really wanted to leave dance because I couldn't find the meaning anymore. I lost faith in art. And Feldenkrais really helped me see the kindness, the, the scientific thinking behind it, the practical thinking. One nervous system connecting to another nervous system in hopes that it will find out something new to discover its own possibilities in order to live better. You know, the caption behind what I saw was, now look what you can do. And oh, and look, look what you can do here too. I was like, what better piece of art than that thing which is happening unfolding in front of me so then a big question I ask is why do people move in the ways that they move and why do they not move in ways that are actually healthier for them that would give them less pain give them more power and what I always come to is that it's a very social thing 
And I keep pointing people to just the um, preface of Awareness Through Movement written by Moshe Feldenkrais. That's what he points to, you know, it's these social demands, standards that we unknowingly most of the time adhere to and really are afraid to depart from, which make us move in certain ways and they become habits and sometimes develop into destructive habits. So then it's very easy to talk about expression, you know, why movement is important for expression and for one's survival in a community. We have choice to use what we have in many different ways. And this was kind of set in stone for me with Feldenkrais. It's not what you have, it's how you use it. And again, is that not a great way to describe what art is? Wow. So I'm so curious because this idea about art providing solutions and looking toward what's possible. And one of the things I'm really experimenting with in my own life is, you know, cultivating that in myself, in my body, in my mind, in myself, and how that kind of reverberates outward and through relationships and then how I engage with the world. So I'm so curious if you could talk about that from your perspective and finding possibilities through like self-discovery. It was, it was difficult because I've been wanting to leave divorce dance from 2011, maybe even earlier than that. And I'm still here teaching companies, mostly working with dancers. Um, this is how the law of attraction works, right? The more you don't want something, the don't is never heard or registered. And then you just, I just keep coming back to dance or dance keeps coming back to me. So I think one thing is to just accept like land, be here. I'm going to try at least to start here and then see that I've got different options. And I just take one option, shift somewhere else. And now where can I go? The power of the unknown. I remember hearing about Feldenkrais talk. I think it was about perfection or it was one of the trainers and saying, okay, we, you, why is trying to do a perfect movement not as um, fruitful? Because if I choose this point right here, this is perfection. I want to get here and I'm here, you know, and you think that that's the way to it, right? But then in, in, in defining that that's perfect, you, I've missed out on that point. I've missed out on that point, that point, that point, this point, you know, there's right. so many points around that. So it's to also, I think, to release yourself into the gorgeous unknown it's scary and we're always dealing with anxiety right because i guess it's the nervous system that loves order that uh, apparently the world is in chaos but our brains present a reality in that that there are patterns that we can feel secure in and i think that feldenkrais has this thing about it where you're constantly exploring the unknown and the more you can be in that place then you allow 
a new kind of logic, or you actually allow the nature of how things want to move to manifest. And so you're not only exercising the concept, the preconceived idea of how things should work, you know, how the skeleton should, should coordinate itself in the joints, but you feel, and it's always the question. It's like, can I make it easier? Is this light? Is this, is this hard? And, you know, to sort of linger in and suspend in that question, it gets very philosophical and very artistic, I think very soon, but it's, it's based on physical. Um, the sensation in your body. Yeah, exactly. So then there is some mental work and emotional work to say the unknown might not be bad. My neck injury came from an ignorance of what my ribs could do, my ribs, my spine could do, how everything can coordinate. But let's simplify and just say ribs. I really didn't know that the ribs could move. And I remember just doing a lesson lying on the back and reaching. And then I realized, wow, why can't I do it? I'm a professional dancer. I can't do it. I can't do it. My arm doesn't go further. And then it was Thomas Kamp, Kampe. He's in the UK. And he was one of my first uh, Christ teachers. Yeah. And I remember he's like, well, maybe you can roll the head. You can use the ribs. And you know that moment when you're like, how stupid was I? And you're so happy. You're elated. You're like, I am so stupid. And therefore I can become more intelligent. And I was like, oh, oh, this is where I wanted to go. I forgot. This is what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so that unknown and, and, and being tricked into the unknown, maybe that's one of the descriptions for what Feldenkrais is, you know, it's a systematic tricking of the nervous system to lead you into your unknown uh, possibilities. <laughs> I love that description of Feldenkrais is the systematic tricking of the nervous system to lead you into your unknown possibilities. That's good. Yeah, especially since, you know, Barnaby's background is clowning and clowns are the tricksters of society. Mm -hmm. So we've got a lot of trickery going on here. Trickery for the good. <laughs> yeah. And interestingly, what you said about the eyes as well, because clown, you know, in, in clowning, the eyes and eye contact is really, really important, you know, making direct connection and contact with people. So I'm always saying to dancers, why don't you use your eyes more and connect? with the audience or with each other, you know, because often the eyes are sort of dead. I wanted to ask, speaking about creativity, because I really, really like your reflections earlier on expression and this idea of making choices as an artist. And one thing that's come up a lot in these conversations is this kind of distinction or line, if you like, between the arts, on one hand, and then on the other hand, this notion of wellness or self-development. And I'm wondering for you, what is creativity? Yeah, Feldenkrais gave me this entryway into anthropology. I didn't study it formally, but I was just like, wow, human beings are amazing. So back then I thought, oh, being a creative, it just meant that I was bad at math probably would suck at law, economics, finance, all that, like not, I'm a creative, you know, it's my excuse. And so creativity was like, ah, when you can't get a real job, that's creative. <laughs> but then with this anthropological uh, view, I'm like, 
we wouldn't be here without creativity. And it's okay that it manifests in other ways. Yeah, so creativity is something that is essential for our survival. And that's how I want to see it. And I think many, many uh, large corporations have caught on to that hiring consultants who talk just specifically about creativity and how that's necessary necessary for the health and the flourishing operations of their business. You have to think outside the box. So that's where I am with it as well. If we want to live better lives, be healthier, and to do more, it's okay to have ambition, right, and aspirations, but then let's be creative. And I think it's also about taking responsibility, because some people say, oh, you know, the circumstances are against me. This happened, we can't perform, you know, I I can't earn money this way, that way. And then I'm like, well, what if you had the power and you just have to do things differently? What if, if, if everyone, you know, in ballet class, there is some liberty as to how you have your arms. And even when, when you have to have it up here, which, you know, we'll call it, this is fifth position, then I can, I can have all of these things, right? And right. it's still fifth position, but how I approach it, you know, do I take it from the hand? Do I do it more, you know, as one block? You know, is it something that comes from the elbow, something there? So I have choice that I can weigh and experiment with on the spot. That's a great example. So when you work with dancers, do you give them those possibilities? Do you say things like that to them? Like in this position, you could do all these other things. You actually have choice. And if so, does that help them become better dancers or more healthy just generally in their life or both? Better artists. <laughs> and I think that there is a, you know, following Christ, oh my gosh, I'm quoting him so much, but like, I really love the guy. Isn't the famous phrase uh, that he wants to restore human dignity. You can very much interpret it to restore an artist's dignity because there are really good dancers which can be labeled as technicians they execute really really well but i think something about an artist is that there's still spontaneity there's still choice within something that is proposed one of the best performances i've seen and i don't always go to classical concerts but i remember this norwegian cellist with the gothenburg symphony and he was playing this prokofiev concerto and it was just passion. And like, even for an uneducated uh, music person, I could tell he was making a lot of mistakes, but it didn't matter. Prokofiev came through. And then I remember going back and thinking, if Prokofiev was there, he might be excited. Like, I think the notes that he jotted down were only a way into something greater to be channeled hashtag transcendence that's good art so it was the choices he was making or it was the choice to not be a slave to every single note and their and their precise timing their their lengths that some something more came through so with dancers especially teaching ballet class which is what i'm um, most comfortable doing 
for me, I use it. I use it as a a guideline for improvisation, for practicing your choices. I think it clarifies the concept in Feldenkrais about function. Right? Yes, it's a movement. When does it become an action? You know, when it serves a function. What you're doing is reshaping, recomposing your expression, what you're communicating and making people feel. At the same time, what you feel, you're manipulating your ex- your own experience. So the eyes they carry so much more, right? And then it's like, where do you go from that? Your eyelashes. If you think about your eyelashes, you know, it's not just eyes in space, but what if you start thinking about the eyelashes and how they graze the the yes. air or how the wind, you know, would graze the the eyelashes? And let's let's complicate things and say fingers. And I'm going to go my way. Now let's do the first exercise at the bar, you know, when you bend your knees and stretch. So it's just bending. So that's one of the first exercises. So we know we've done 50,000 plies in our careers, but then now each one can be different. It can be uniquely you. Do you do this? Do you find this in your normal everyday life? Oh, yes. And, you know, I I feel sometimes that I become a sly manipulator (laughs) because you realize that your actions do have certain uh, effects on people. And, you know, the thing about tilting your head to one side to to become a bit more charming, um, to disarm any tension, to be, they say, more attractive, you know, then you start listening to these things. And whenever there are people around or even not, um, I feel like I'm on stage and I just love shopping going around the supermarket I don't know why I always talk about the supermarket but it's a fantastic place for me but you know just I know that changing my angle of of my face to you know the chin going one way the top of my head another way or holding it you know the chin right below the nose in one line you know I'm, I'm constantly giving people a different feeling I'm giving myself a different feeling and this is fun and once I'm I get into that thinking. I'm just going around the supermarket and it's just like, I don't know. It, it's You're playing. Just, I'm, I'm playing. I'm having yeah. a good time. And like, I, I don't know. And, and a lot of times when I'm in this game, what was uncomfortable before in my body, I'm somewhere else. I've tricked my nervous system. Yeah. I've, I've, given, I've given that the nervous system like a ball of yarn or whatever. And it's just constantly playing with that. I love that you mentioned the supermarket because I think the supermarket is like, or at least maybe still is, is like the bane of so many people's existence, you know, just like the hate, there's a like hate love because like, Ooh, I'm going to get some wonderful things and oh, I have to deal with this hour or whatever, you know? Mm, I hate being in the supermarket. It gives me a, I feel, I let the space dictate how I feel. I think that's yeah. the problem. I, I let the, it depress me and get me down. The lighting and the, you know, the commercial products, all the advertising, all in. Oh. But the, your approach is such a, a novel way of thinking about it that I could actually change the way I feel by being playful with my body in that space. Yeah, I'm always fascinated by these everyday places, especially if they're colorful. And I think that that's why the supermarket is such a cheerful place for me. I love the term human potential because 
just all that color, even though there are many negatives to all these commercial products, I'm just like, wow, look how genius human beings are with this product, that product. And they're making me dance as well with all the colors. And Felonchrist has helped me see the psychology and emotion behind a place like the supermarket, you know, that you have some countries Mm -hmm. where it's chaotic. In, in the supermarket, it's not organized or there's poor management. This is like a direct parallel with Feldman Kreis. You can tell when someone is not so organized uh, in their movements. And then in the space, you can also see like, oh, this is bad management. And then there are those places where you're like, wow, you're actually considering the human experience. They bring the more expensive, the more quality products Weather. up to the average eye level right and you pay more to be on that shelf and then the different colors there's one supermarket that i love in denmark more aesthetically called irma and they have like a specific color code you know the branding in denmark is something that is so amazing so then i start applying that and seeing the world how do people make you feel with the different choices of color textures and yeah my uh, experience in supermarkets is never going to be the same (laughs) it's not ever it's changed he has this thing where one of the only places is a walmart and he was like says to the kids okay when we go in uh walmart world what do you call it uh planet planet walmart planet walmart we have to remain hidden from all the walmartians Oh, (laughs) we have to be in disguise. And the way to do that is to like move quickly and stealthily and don't get distracted by the stuff that wants to they're trying to sell you. Because he wants to get in and he wants to get out. Because you go in wanting two things and you end up coming out with five, you know, because you're like, oh, I want that. Oh, I want that. But maybe you can avoid being seen by the Walmartians in another... More but that's such a great game. I mean, that sounds fun. I know. He makes it fun. With the but, kids, yeah, you know. That's but... the clown in Barnaby. He's like, if I've got to do something, make it fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it makes having kids makes you be creative in a in a way like that. Otherwise, th- certain ordinary things become stressful and unbearable. <laughs> yeah, that's another good use for creativity. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, yeah, thank you so much, Paul. It really has been. I mean, there is so much more we could talk about and hopefully we will get that chance in the future. But this has been very rich conversation. And And on that note, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Barnaby, there. But on that note, can you please tell us, is there any way that people can find you? Yeah, the best thing would be to visit my website, um, www.paulsfellenkreisprojects.com. So it's plural projects. And uh, to just write me an email if if the lesson times um, don't work for you. I- I'm just really looking forward with a smile to the unexpected collaborations and what I can um, do with Feldenkrais to help people just identify other ways of doing things, of having fun, being more them. Great. Cool. Thank you so much, Paul. Well, that was lovely. Yeah, such a lovely guy. So bright in so many ways. And Paul also mentioned to us that he's creating this new workshop, which sounds really awesome. Feldenkrais for your inner queen. Mm. 
the, the word queen is so beautiful because now in our culture, queen is just like, yes, um, just someone fabulous. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It's just like, you are you. Being a queen also means that you're secure of yourself and you don't need necessarily to feel like you have to put other people down to feel better. You feel good because you are comfortable with who you are. So, so to give these things, you know, the shoulder circles, the, the freedom of the neck to have all of these various um, nuances in your personality and how you feel and how people perceive you. This is all empowering, you know, Please do that workshop. So Paul. yeah, please do it. <laughs> and if if That's anybody wants to know about workshops that Paul is giving, we'll put his website details in the show notes so you can get those and go and take his inner queen workshop. Yeah, or request it. Yeah, request it, <laughs> and lots of other things that that he does as well. And you can always find Paul online as well, sporting his beautiful the F word t-shirts and of mm. course the F word he's talking about is Feldenkrais. Mm. Of course. You know, after talking to Paul, it felt like we should come back across the Atlantic again. Mm. And also not necessarily talk to somebody from the Feldenkrais community because we, we, we... Yeah. So the next person that we chose to talk to is Arowana Hayashi, who is from the Presencing Institute and Arowana has created something called Social Presencing Theatre, which is just super cool. The Presencing Institute comes out of MIT in Boston. Yeah. So that is going to be the next leg of our exploration into the intersection of creativity and wellness. I really hope you'll join us for that. See you then. Bye for now. Bye.